Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Hannah Schaefer, Associate Pastor at Destiny Church. In this message, Hannah shares a biblical understanding and teaching about who the Holy Spirit is and what His role is in our lives. Following the message, take a look at the episode description where you can find scripture references as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. Good morning. Not only did I get to lead worship today, I get to get into the Word. So, it's going to be a good day. I'm excited um, for what God has in store and hope you find encouragement and maybe a little bit of a challenge today. Um, My name's Hannah. I'm one of the pastors here. Me and Ryan, who was up here for the growth track graduation, we got four little girls, another girl on the way, five girls. We're just building a girls basketball team or something. I don't know. Hopefully they get his reflexes, his everything, and just my height. But uh, it's okay. We're exactly the same height to the millimeter. We've done it a lot. We both have large hair, so you have to squish down the hair. We're exactly the same height. So um, today we're going to be in the Word a lot. Joey was like, holy smokes, Hannah, that's a lot of scripture. And I was like, yes, it is. But that's what we're up here to do. I'm not here just to tell you about my experiences and tell you What I think, I'm here to tell you what I know because what the word of God tells me. And so what I would encourage you today is like I said, we're gonna have a lot of scripture, but I would encourage you to write down these references. If you write nothing else down today, that you would write down the scripture references that I give you so that later this week, whether you go to a connect group, whether you're doing your own devotional time, you would have the ability to go and read these scriptures for yourself. I sure hope that everything I say up here is biblically sound. That's always my goal in anybody who's sharing the word of God. But it's your job as a believer to test and try what is true and get into the word for yourself. Because I could be up here and be like, don't eat chicken. God says don't eat chicken. And you're crying because you were planning to have KFC for lunch today. (laughs) And you're like, she told me that's what God says. That's what the Bible says. But if you would get out the word, you would look and be like, I can have KFC today. And you would find encouragement in that. So it is important that you get into the word for yourself. Amen? Okay. Um, I am really excited. Um, I, this has been stirring in me for quite some time. And um, I'm very expectant for what God has to say today. And I want to start off by talking about Peter and the disciple Peter, Simon Peter. And I am endeared towards him because he says some stuff sometimes where I'm like, bro, like you're with Jesus and you're, you know, Jesus saying, get out, get behind me, Satan. And it's like, oh, dang, Peter, come on, man. And I just can relate. Who can relate to saying some stuff where you're like, yes, thank you. I'm very thankful for Simon Peter being a disciple. And one of the parts of his life that I find myself almost tending to be critical of is when he denies Jesus. How many of you have been like, you were just with him, like you were just with him eating and you literally just told him you're not gonna deny him and you did it three times. To who, to a servant girl? Like you weren't even being interrogated. It was a servant girl by a fire, man. Like what are you thinking? Nobody, like you just read that and you're like, I totally would have denied Jesus. No, you're like, what was he thinking? And so for me, I read that and I'm like, man, Peter, 
What's going on here? And so in that same chapter in John 18, it talks about that when Peter denies Jesus the three times. But it also is when Jesus goes before the courts, goes before the officials um, for Caiaphas and Annas when he's before them and they're questioning him, asking if he's the Messiah. That's all happening right there in John 18. And if we fast forward a little bit and we say, okay, let's look at Peter's life later on. Let's just look at what he does later on. What does that look like? Well, Peter actually has the opportunity to go before the same people that Jesus went before. I don't know if you know that, but later in Acts, Acts chapter 4, he is brought before Caiaphas and Annas. And he's asked about, well, he was healing somebody on a Sabbath. Those dang, those dang heathens not taking their Sabbath. And um, so they get in trouble. They get before these officials. And these are the people that sentenced Jesus to be crucified. And so looking at Peter's life and saying, you denied Jesus to a servant girl about a month and a half ago. Now you're going to be before these officials. How is Peter going to respond? Shall we take a look? So in Acts chapter 4... This is when Peter and John, they were there together, um, went before Annas and Caiaphas. And so I'm going to start in verse chapter 8. I love the scripture. So it just stirs in me. We'll see if I can make it. I was practicing at home. <laughs> Don't know if you guys know I, we do that sometimes. But all my kids were gone, and I was like, I'm going to preach my sermon to myself which is sometimes you got to do that, right? You just got to preach to yourself. And so I'm preaching to myself, and I'm like... <laughs> This is so good. <laughs> I'm like, I needed to hear that. That was awesome. Okay. So Acts chapter four, we're going to start in verse eight. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, this is the same people that Jesus was before, right? He says, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, like I said, they had just healed someone. By what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That 50 days later is a little bit of a different Peter than the guy who cowered to a servant girl by a fire. A little different. Standing before the same people that just sentenced Jesus to be crucified, he has that boldness. Where does that come from? Well, the first verse right there says it in verse eight. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm humbled in thinking about Peter and, you know, him by the fire and me, me being a little judgmental and being like, how could you, how could you deny him? What it comes down to is Jesus, um, Peter is not filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. He's separated from Jesus. Jesus isn't even with him. Jesus isn't by his side. He's not walking with Jesus. Jesus is in there. He's having his counsel. He's going before the judge. He's doing these different things and he's by himself. And what does he do? His flesh gives way. His fear takes over. 
And he does something that he probably, which we all saw when he starts crying, the rooster crows, he realizes he did something wrong. Immediately. How many of you do something and then all of a sudden you're like, said I wasn't going to do that. And I just did it. Like what just happened? And I see a hand. Thank you. Me too. So what changed in those 50 days for Peter? He now wasn't alone. He had the Holy Spirit inside of him, empowering him, strengthening him, giving him boldness. He had the spirit of the living God inside of him. He wasn't alone anymore. And so I think that so often we can look at the Holy Spirit as an optional thing, as a gift that Jesus, you know, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and it's, you know, you can have it. And some people think, well, the Holy Spirit's a really good gift, but you don't have to have it to get into heaven. It's just an awesome option. Like it's a great tool and you're kind of a fool if you don't take advantage, but you don't have to take it. Like you don't have to have that relationship there. But what the foundation that I want to set today before we get more into the word is that we believe in the Trinity. Here, we believe in the Trinity. And what is the Trinity? The Trinity is we serve one God. We don't have multiple gods here. Thank you, Jesus, because I have enough problems remembering who to pray what about what? Like if I had to pray to somebody different for the weather and somebody different for the food and somebody different for my kids, like we're all, we're all messed up. It ain't happening. But I am thankful that I have one God to pray to. But that one God has three complete different beings. And so who are those? That's Father God who created the universe at the beginning of time. He is the creator. He is our Father. That when we pray and we pray to Father or to God, that's who you're praying to right? Father God. And he has a son, Jesus Christ, who was fully man and he was fully God. And I know some of you are like, this is what, no, stick with me. I want to make sure we're all on the same basis here before we go even more. So you don't discredit what I said later. We're just laying some groundwork, right? Father God, Jesus Christ, who came and died for your sins, his son, Jesus, his son, Holy Spirit, And I think sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit maybe as a third wheel. You know, like we're on a date and there's that one person who kind of has to be there, but you don't really talk to him that much. And, and, you know, or maybe it's just, it's just this thing, you know, it's the third wheel. I don't think that's a great encouraging word. I was like, should I even call my sermon that? It's a little like demeaning, but that's the point. I feel like that is how a lot of the church is living. It's a third wheel mentality. If he shows up, that'd be nice. No, he has to show up for you to fully experience God and all of who he is. You have to experience him as God the Father. You have to experience him as Jesus Christ, God's son. And you have to be able to experience him as the Holy Spirit. That is what the difference is. And so, the Trinity, we all have that foundation there. Now let's look at us. Us as beings, us as created amazing people that God created us to be. In the Old Testament, you have the tabernacle. And with the tabernacle, there's outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies. Are y'all with me? That is what it was like. So now if we look at us, I'm the temple now. Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit? We're all called to be the temple. And so if we look at ourselves as the temple, we should have outer courts, inner courts, and holy of holies. Okay? Outer courts, my flesh. I don't do too great when I'm ruling myself by my flesh. I'm just saying. Outer courts, flesh. Inner courts, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. Everybody has those, right? 
But then you go to your holy of holies, which is your spirit man inside of you. And when you become saved, when you ask Jesus into your heart, your spirit man comes alive. Right? So if you're not saved, you're ran by your spirit. Right? I feel this way, so I did this. Or I think this. Or I feel. How many? I feel this way. That is how the world and most people at large make decisions. I don't feel like it. Just ask my seven-year-old. I don't feel like it. I don't care if you feel like it. It's what we're doing. Right? Powerful people do things they don't feel like doing. And so how does that happen? When you become saved, your spirit man has risen because you have now been filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens? It now requires your cooperation, your faith, and your full surrender. Power doesn't flow through powerful people. Power flows through surrendered people who have surrendered and said, I don't want to live. How, how many Christians, how many people do we know, how many of us are guilty of living our lives as soulish Christians because we never take the time to mature our spirit? Right? Your spirit's alive but you're still motivated by your soul, by your mind, your will, and your emotions. Why? Because it's stronger, because you give more attention to it, and you've neglected your spirit. So how do you mature your spirit? With the Holy Spirit. By getting into the word, by reading the word for yourself, like I started off by saying this week, by praying, by fasting, by worshiping. There are different things that command your spirit to arise, to mature, to where now my flesh can't speak up because my spirit is so loud. My spirit is so prominent. That's what drives me. And that's what it does. So let's get into Galatians with Paul. Like I said, we're going to go through some scripture. Y'all with me today? So we're going to read some scripture. I love Paul. I love him in the early church. Man. And like I said, I've been diving deep into the Holy Spirit and it was great. A lot of us are reading the year chronologically. Like we have our Bible, we're reading it chronologically here in the church family. And this week it was like Galatians and Acts. And I'm like, I love this. Like this is the perfect week. God knew that I wanted to read it this week because I was reading it in my sermon. And then I'm like reading it in my devotionals. And I'm like, it's like you're God or something. It's like you like orchestrate things. Sheesh. Okay. So Galatians 5 is what we're going to read, 13, and then we're going to jump to 16 and read a couple from there. It's behind me. I would always encourage you to bring your Bible to church, your physical Bible. Have your kids see you bring your Bibles to church, write notes in your Bible. It's meant to be used, right? It's not meant to be just sitting there on your nightstand. Okay, Galatians 5. You, my brothers and sisters, again, this is Paul speaking, and he's speaking to the early church. We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one, a number, one another humbly in love. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So what are we learning here? The Spirit and the soul kind of are in a little bit of conflict. You can't serve both. One is in charge. One is not in charge. There is a person, there is a part of you, inside of you, that chooses to be in charge, that you give the power to. And it can't be your soul and your spirit when it's convenient. One is in charge. They are in conflict of each other. And what it says here is that you have to walk by the spirit. This is a lifestyle, right? This is an action of pursuit, walking with the spirit. It's not a one-time decision. I loved it. 
Miles doing transition. I was like, bro, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Man, taking all my stuff. But it was good. And, I, and then I was up there. Let's just have an honest moment. I'm playing and he, I'm like, he keeps talking about the Holy Spirit. He's going to say all my stuff for the Holy Spirit. And that's fine, I guess. And I'm just playing and I'm like trying, I love you, Jesus. I'm trying to worship you, but Miles keeps talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and, then, God, and then I was like, dang, God was like, so you would rather have you talk about the Holy Spirit than everybody encounter him right now? And I was like, yes, thank you so much. I, that was great. Thank you, God. So we want to walk by the Spirit. And like I said, many of us haven't chosen to walk with the Spirit or we go through seasons of not walking with the Spirit and that's when we become immature. Yay, nobody wants to be immature. We want to be mature. We want to walk and talk and act like we actually live what we believe. How many of you talk to somebody and like, well, I believe this and it's like, don't look like that's the way you believe because that's not what that would look like. That's like when you're talking to your kids and they're like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, but that's not what sorry looks like. Your actions speak louder than your words. So how many of us are actually living in this way that says, I actually believe what I say I believe because that's the way my life looks. Yeah? So how do we do that? We look at the fruit. Yay. Let's look at the fruit to see, hmm, am I governed by the spirit or am I governed by my flesh, by my soul? What does this look like? So, the acts of the flesh, we're continuing in the scripture I was in, in Galatians 5. We're going to go to verse 19. The acts of the flesh, because like I said, they're in conflict. That's what we've just read. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean, will not inherit the kingdom of God? You lose your status as a son and a daughter of the king. You're not going to heaven. You're losing your status. You now are not inheriting the kingdom of, hell, the kingdom of God. You're inheriting the kingdom of hell because you chose to live by the flesh for the short life that we have on earth. Why? Because we lacked discipline and we lacked the ability to kill our flesh. Right? We're supposed to crucify our flesh is what it says. And so those are things of the flesh. And so you can look at your life and you say, oh, yeah, I do kind of struggle with hatred. I do kind of jealous. I do, do have fits of rage sometimes. And, you know, I don't really make the best decisions with who I choose to get with. And, okay, there's some fruit there that might say, I think my spirit man hasn't been brought to maturity yet. Right? Because if you see those things there and they can't coexist, but you have some of these and you're like, okay, well, what are some good fruit? Let's look at some good fruit. Can I get an amen? Good fruit, which we all know. Normally we just jump to this verse and you just skipped all the, like the bad fruits. You're like, let's look at the good verse. So verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Come on. Praise God. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's the kind of fruit I want in my life, right? That's why you work on your kids and you say, you know, hey, let's be patient, Johnny. Let's be kind. Because we know that those are fruit. But so often we look at the fruit and we don't look at how it got there, what the roots are. And we just say, I want to, come on, throwing an apple at the tree. And I'm like, stick 
And it's like, no, you haven't nurtured that tree to give you apples. It's not going to happen. It's fake. That's like forcing your kid to obey you. It's fake. <laughs> like their heart's not actually obeying you. You're throwing an apple and expecting it to stick. And they're like, yeah, I agree with this apple. Isn't it great? And you're like, no. So we have these things in life where you have to pay attention to these good fruit and you have to see them come to fruition. And so whatever this looks like today for you, maybe you're, we're all on different spots in our journey with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like, I've never actually even heard of the Holy Spirit. This is interesting. Um, I just thought there was a God and that's who we love and we're thankful. Yes, but that's why I set the groundwork with the Trinity. So maybe this is an introduction into who he is. Maybe you know the Holy Spirit, but you kind of put it in the category of, you know, if I have the time or, you know, I, I, you don't have to have him, but, but it's a great gift. And, and I've actually been guilty of that in my Christian walk before, seeing him as this gift. And for me, in the way my mind works, the gift actually brought him down in meaning because it was like there's Jesus and God and they gave us this thing called the Holy Spirit. And like you have the option of being a part and it's like, no, actually that's a part of who God is. And if you reject that, are you rejecting God, right? Because if these three things are God, what does that look like? And maybe you have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and you talk to him all day. Come on, I love it. We can always learn more. We can always know more. And that's what I love. You could read the Bible time and time again and you understand new facets of who God is. When you go to heaven, I believe God's gonna be there. You're holy, holy, wow, you're amazing. Wow, I'm worshiping you, worshiping you. For hundreds of years, I'm worshiping you. And then he turns. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was there. You are amazing. And now I worship him all over again. Like I don't feel like I will ever fully understand and ever fully know all of who God is because our minds can't comprehend it. And so continually getting to understand new facets, that is how I love Ryan. I get to know him. I get to know what he likes. And then when I find it out, he changes it because he wants to be unpredictable. Like literally he'll say that. He's like, oh, since you knew that, it's not that anymore. Now it's this. And I'm like, I don't think you can do that, but okay. So, but that is what it looks like to pursue someone and to have intimate relationship with them. You get to know them and you get to understand what they're like, what makes them who they are. And so if I'm telling you about the Holy Spirit today, I want to talk about who he is so that we can get to know more so who this part of God is, what this facet of him is, who this is that God said um, he would send to us. And so let's look at the words of Jesus. If we aren't gonna listen to Paul, which I think we can listen to Paul, but I mean, Jesus, do we all agree? We can trust what Jesus says? Okay, great. So John chapter 16, this is Jesus's words himself talking to his disciples. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. How many of you standing there would have been like, I don't agree? Like, can, can, we, can we take a vote? Um, it's for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to help you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong without sin, um, wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of the truth. 
which means the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows every ounce of truth that there could ever be known about anything and about God, about it all. He knows it. All truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, it's better that he leaves. Not sure how I feel about that. But as you sit there and you think about that, Jesus was there in the flesh when Peter was going through these things, but he wasn't with him, but he was by himself, right? He wasn't infilled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't make some of the best decisions. Jesus could be here, but he was fully man, and he was fully God, and he's walking around, he's doing this. And I've regularly been like, man, if I could just have Jesus here just to talk with him about this, I guarantee I'd have a great answer. And I would do so much better here because Jesus would be here with me. Like, I've had these thoughts. Nobody else, just me. So I'm like, man, I just wish Jesus was here in the flesh. But what Jesus is saying is actually that's not better. He's saying what he left is better. Like, you're better off right now having access to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God inside of you than if you had Jesus in the flesh. Are you giving that kind of thought and power and emphasis to your spirit inside of you that it's more important that it's that than Jesus standing next to you in the flesh? Like that's something to think about. That this spirit is omniscient. Like I said, he's all-knowing. He's also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Um, but he's also everywhere He's fully inside of me and he's fully inside of Ryan and he's fully inside of Danny and he's fully inside of Poppy. He's fully inside of us. He's everywhere. In, this, um, in Psalms 139, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make a bed in the depths, you are there. And what it's like is just what Miles was talking about earlier. That could be a little intimidating for somebody who's maybe had not a great relationship before or made some bad decisions in the past, and you're like, I don't want everybody to know where I am or what I'm doing or have them know my thoughts. Can I have some level of privacy here, please? But what if this person was the safest, most genuine, most trusting person ever, knew everything, was the most wise that you could ever dream of, was the most safe person you could ever dream of, was the person that was praying for you consistently inside of you? Would you want that? I mean, this is amazing. This is huge. He is the comforter. And that verse um, in the Amplified where it says, Jesus, you know, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. That is actually interpreted as helper um, in the Amplified. And how's that broken down? Comforter. Who needs a comforter sometimes, yeah? Advocate, intercessor. He actually can intercede for you and he knows all of your thoughts and he knows all of God's thoughts and he can be praying for you inside of you. Counselor, strengthener, he's all of those things. And in those nine verses I read, it, he was referred to as a he or a him 12 times. It wasn't it. It will come and give you power. It will know the truth. It, it, no. He, him. It's a full on being. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a spirit. It's not just a oh, you know, if it's here, if it's not, or I feel this way. No, it is a full-on being and a part of the Trinity that's inside of you. It's not just a gift. So if we want this Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and he's the comforter, and he's all these different things, do you live an uncomfortable life to where you actually would need the comforter? 
Or is your goal in life to live a comfortable life and there's really no need for him? Because I like to think of the Holy Spirit as a gentleman. You know, if you don't need me, like, if you got it, go for it. He's not going to come and be like, hey, you need me. You're an idiot. Like, just trust me. Just trust me. I've seen this play out. It's not good. It didn't work out. Let me help you. No. He gives us the ability to have self-control. It's not God control. It's self-control. But he has the ability to walk through you and share with him his wisdom and his comfort. And so if we try to live this comfortable life, we don't have a need for the comforter. I want to need him. And that looks like me choosing to live an uncomfortable life so the Holy Spirit has a place to show up. Yes. So if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, what does that normally look like? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, normally it'd be referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And to be baptized, we've done baptisms by water. You've seen on stage, you know, they go under completely, representing they go under, they're dead to sin, and they come up, and they're, they're new. They're a new creation. That's what they're personifying. That's what they're doing in front of us as a church body. The word baptize means to put under to cover, things like that. And that's what it is when you're baptizing the Holy Spirit. I want to be totally immersed, completely enveloped, completely surrounded by the Spirit of God. That I can't escape it. Like, it is all around me. And I just want to speak, um, I was thinking about it on the drive-in this morning, and I have went, I don't know if some of you were thinking out there, hey, am I baptizing the Holy Spirit? I feel like these are probably some thoughts you're starting to have. And if I'm being 100% frank and 100% honest, I have went through many seasons and many times in my life, I was raised in church, you know, I was baptizing the Holy Spirit out of the womb, I don't know, but it was early. And you have all these different things. And then I start to question, am I actually baptizing the Holy Spirit? Is this what this would look like? Are my tongues real? Have any of the, anybody, never, nobody's ever had these thoughts? And, and what have we done? We've now given power to doubt, And now I'm questioning if I have the power inside of me. And I feel like the devil is like, dude, so easy. Like, so easy. Like, she has it. She just doesn't know it's there. Like, this is great. But it's so easy to to start to doubt. And that's why we have to have faith that what we read in the Bible is true. And that we have to have the discipline. We have to have the faith to activate this gift that God has given us. So, In the Old Testament, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon individuals. So it comes upon Moses. It comes upon Samuel or King David or Ezekiel. There's many times, if you read in the Old Testament, where it comes upon them for a certain task. And when the task is done or if they make some bad decisions and the Spirit can't reside there anymore, it lifts. But it's not indwelling. It's not inside of people and in their spirit as a continual access in the Old Testament. That's not an option. But when you look at the New Testament, that is when we have Pentecost. That is when we have when the Holy Spirit comes and when Jesus leaves. So Jesus, I don't know for any of you linear thinkers out there that would appreciate this. Jesus was crucified at Passover time. So he's crucified, Passover time. He raises, comes back to life three days later. Are we all with me here? Comes back to life three days later. Then Now we're going to skip ahead 40 days. In this 40 days, he's appearing to some of his disciples. He's around 40 days. Then he ascends to heaven. So he died, rose again three days later. 40 days later, he's now ascended into heaven. So he doesn't die again. He literally ascends into heaven. 10 days later, Holy Spirit comes. And 
I like this day. And so the Holy Spirit comes 10 days later, which is 50 days after the resurrection. That's why I was saying when this was happening with Peter, it's like a 50-day, a month and a half change there. And so when the day of Pentecost comes, Acts 2, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Anybody ever sit there and try to like imagine what that sounded like? Um, there was a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to be divided tongues as a fire that sat on top of each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so one of the signs of speaking, um, one of the signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And so I can't do a whole sermon on the Holy Spirit and not touch on this. And so speaking on tongues, which is what we just read there, is you're speaking in an unlearned spiritual language that came from God. That's about as precise as I can make that, um, but it can look different. So here, how they knew that they were speaking in tongues, if you continue reading, which I would encourage you to read Acts and Galatians if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, is that they were going out in the street. So the, the fire came, the Holy Spirit came, they're all in that room in one accord and they all start to go out. They're speaking in tongues and people have gathered from all over because it's a, it's a celebration, everybody is there and they don't all speak the same language. But now people are leaving this room and speaking in tongues, but they think they're just speaking in my language. Like they're praising God. How do you know how to speak that language? They're speaking an unlearned language that God gave them that can be understood by somebody that speaks a different language. And that has happened um, at church and on missions trips where you're there and you're speaking and all of a sudden you start speaking in a language that you never learned and that person knows what you're saying. And you're like, what? Like it is trippy, but that's what's cool. Um, so that's one aspect. The other aspect is you have this unlearned spiritual language that just you and know God, you and God know. And so how I had said the spirit is inside of you and it intercedes on your behalf. If you've ever had a time where you're trying to pray and you just don't know what to say, you just can't form the words. You can pray in tongues and it's your spirit interceding. God understands. You might not even know what you're saying. Like I said, we have to go over this and you can dive deeper into all of this later. But you might not even know what you're saying, but it's the perfect prayer. Couldn't be more perfect because it's your spirit praying only God knows what you're saying. Devil doesn't even know what you're saying. We could spend a whole sermon here, but I had, to, I had to touch it. I couldn't just like let it. So we can always talk about tongues later. So let's get to know him as we wrap this thing up. Okay. So we talked about who he is and that he brings power, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts 1.8, Luke 24.49, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from high. This is Jesus speaking. He's using power as the Holy Spirit. Interchangeably, the power will come. So you're gonna receive power and it's gonna look different. I wanna look different. I wanna be so unrecognizable. When I, like when I look at Peter's life and I'm like, he changed that much. He changed that much. The Holy Spirit did that and gave him that level of boldness. We should be able to look at the church and see that kind of boldness. How? Because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because why? The church is only made different by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, what are we doing here? We're having a club. A club with music and, an, and a motivational speaker. Like, do I need to write a motivational book and we just all have a club together? No. 
What separates us from the rest of the world? What draws people into Christ is the Holy Spirit. That's all we got. And if we live a life that just takes them in at convenience, the church is going to get weaker and weaker, more irrelevant, more irrelevant, and go poof. It's gone. Why would I want the church? There's nothing different there. No, the Holy Spirit is what makes us different. And that's why we have to walk with him in our life. So Psalms 143.10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Do you need wisdom? Do you need leading? Do you pray for that? I have the answer for you, the Holy Spirit. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Are you needing freedom from an addiction, from a bad situation? Are you needing that freedom? What do you, you need the Holy Spirit right there. It's what it just said. That's why we get into the word. Okay, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy, peace, and hope. Wow, all in one scripture just from the Holy Spirit? This is crazy. Let's do one more. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Do you need somebody to pray for you? Are you all alone? Do you need help? Do you need somebody to to partner with you? Are you feeling alone? It's been a long day, been a long season. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. He will intercede for you. (laughs) So, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm not going to read it all to you because it talks about the spiritual gifts, but what it says, there's a lot of different gifts and they're all given in different accordance by the Spirit, from the Spirit. And so that's um, wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous power, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. All of these work of one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. All of those. Spirit, healing, Holy Spirit, wisdom, Holy Spirit. Like I could give you a multiple choice test right now and you could circle Holy Spirit on all of them and get an A plus because he's literally the answer to everything. So the next verse, which is verse 12 of the first Corinthians 12, it says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So it stands to reason that if the light of his glory may be dimmed in us as individuals, we also are making it hard for others to see him in the church at large. Because the world isn't moved just by love or actions. They're moved by a spiritual, our spirits, people's spirits are dying to wake up. They're dying. They need it because nobody really wants to be ran by their mind, will, and emotions. It's yucky and it's exhausting. And us as a church, we're called to set them free, to wake them up, for them to be born again, for their spirits to rise up inside of them. That is what we're called to do. And we are called to be the church. You are the church, right? You yourself, you are the church. You come and you are a part of this, the capital C 
church. And as you have the Holy Spirit come alive inside of you, and as you discipline that, as you grow in maturity with this Holy Spirit inside of you, through getting into the word, through praying, through involving him in your daily conversation, I want to live and walk with the Holy Spirit daily because one conversation at the beginning of the day doesn't do it. Just like if I connected with Ryan yesterday, but today he hasn't talked to me, I'm like, why do you hate me? <laughs> Not really. Nobody, nobody, like, it, it's, every day's new. It's like every day starts over. Every day I need to feel loved again. No? Okay, well. Anyway, works for my application. That I need it every day, all day long. That's what, if it was up to me, that's how I would choose to be loved. I would choose to know that I'm loved all day, every day, and be continually reminded. That's what I would choose. And for us to have a flourishing relationship, not obviously to that degree, because we have jobs and we have things, but I can involve the Holy Spirit in all of that because he's everywhere. I can talk to him about anything because he knows everything. I can have his help with anything in life because he has the power to do it all. And so as we pursue this relationship with him, we should be full of all of these things that I've talked about, the love, joy, peace, the power, the wisdom, the freedom, encouragement, hope, help, faith, healing, all of these things should be a large part of our life. Why? Because we're full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't just a tool. It's not just something that you pick up when you need it. I know that I've talked about a lot of what the awesome perks are of having a relationship with someone, but you would call that person in a relationship a gold digger, right? You would say, oh, she doesn't really love him. She's just in it for what she can get, right? I don't want to be that with the Holy Spirit. I actually want to know him. And I want him to know me. And those are going to be overflow. They're going to be fruit. They're not the focus. My focus is the tree and nurturing and pouring into and loving, having conversation, building intimacy. And out of that, all of these amazing things will happen. And you will live a fruitful and flourishing life. Why? Because your focus was on the spirit. To where your body, your mind, your will, and your emotion gets quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. So how do we do that? We remove all the barriers in our life. Because like I said, your flesh and your spirit are opposed. They cannot live together. You have to crucify your flesh. And so some of those things I read earlier, whether it's sin, whether it's unforgiveness, those things you have to get rid of because they can't coexist. The Holy Spirit is holy. And if we're not living a holy life, the Holy Spirit has no power there because you've taken it away. And so living a surrendered life that says, anytime a sin comes up in my mind, I give it to God. Because if I'm filled with the Spirit, I should not be able to willingly and knowingly sin. Right? Yes, things happen and you do that, but then when God brings it to your mind, you ask for repentance and you move on. But if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then that affects the way that you live everything. So, um, we need to pray, confess, renounce those things that could be hindering it. And what um, it says in Psalms 139, you can pray and ask the Holy Spirit, search me, oh God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offense in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And what the Holy Spirit can do, it can lead you to the cross where you lay it all down, you lay all the temptations, you lay all the things, You're like how have I been saved for this long and I still struggle with this? What, what is this, why? Like what Paul, you know, I'm doing something I know I shouldn't be doing. 
right? It says that in the, it says it, Paul says that. He's like, why am I doing, I'm doing something I know I shouldn't be doing. I would encourage you to not look at, we need to get rid of the bad fruit in our life, um, but we need to pay attention to the good fruit and focus on the good. And as you focus on the good, the bad falls away. If you keep focusing on the bad things in life, you're just gonna draw more attention to the bad things. The soul can't conquer the soul. The flesh can't conquer the flesh. And if you use your flesh to conquer the flesh, if you use your mind to conquer the mind and say, I shouldn't be thinking this way, I shouldn't be, I gotta work on my thoughts, I gotta work on my thoughts, it's not gonna work because we're spiritual beings. And our spirit is the only thing that can conquer our mind. The spirit is the only thing that can conquer our flesh. The spirit is the only thing that can do any of that because we are called to be spirits. We are spiritual beings. And so we have to say, spirit awake, spirit arise. I want you to be in charge. And that's hard to say sometimes. But why don't you all stand with me? <clears throat> And we're going to say, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, see if there's any inoffense in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Bring me to the cross. Joel 2, it says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on the select few, on just the pastors, on good people, on sinless people, on perfect, no, on all, on all people. I will pour out my spirit. Boom, fact, done. It says in Luke 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I hope you feel some faith arising in you right now, right? That these are promises. Matthew 7, we know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be open. And the best of all is Ephesians 5.18. It just says, be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. And guess what? Commands are obeyable. It doesn't say you have to. It doesn't say and. Da, 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 da. No, no. It just says be filled with the Spirit. And it's, it is obeyable. But the decision to say, I'm going to give power to my spirit, not to my flesh. I want to mature and I want the spirit to rule in my life takes faith, takes discipline, and takes the daily decision to walk with the spirit. In Galatians 3, it says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith, we might receive the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what I wanna do is I want to um, provide an opportunity for what I had started with, which is allow the Holy Spirit, who, who sometimes is an uncomfortable comforter. <laughs> he comforts, but sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I think we need to become okay with being uncomfortable sometimes because um, realizing that something's a little off in your life doesn't always feel great. If Ryan were to tell me, hey, you did that, you probably shouldn't have responded that way. It doesn't always feel really great. Like I kind of makes me feel kind of yucky sometimes. But if I ask God for fresh revelation and I say, God, speak to me, show me what doesn't line up with your word. Is there anything inside of me that's preventing the Holy Spirit from flowing inside of me? Reveal it to me. And he will because he's gracious and because the word of God says he will. And he's not a liar, right? And so let's take a minute and each of you, you can ask God yourself, say, 
And what I love is actually you can pray to the Holy Spirit. And so it's been fun to be intentional about who you choose to pray to. Am I gonna pray to Father God? Am I gonna pray to Jesus? Am I gonna pray to the Holy Spirit? I don't know, it's fun. Pray to, who, pray to whichever part of the full God that you wanna pray to, but say, okay, Holy Spirit, reveal inside of me. Is there anything that doesn't line up? Is there anything inside of me that you can't coexist with? I wanna give that to you. I do. And maybe you've been trying for a long time and it's a struggle or it's a sin that's been there for a long time and you've tried to will it away. You tried to set boundaries. You've tried to do these things and it just hasn't happened. Say, I can't do this, but it's only by your power. It's only by your power. Holy Spirit, we invite your power into our lives that it would obliterate anything that is inside of us that doesn't line up with your good and perfect will for us. That it would seize it up. Just like the, the song, you know, light a match, let it go, set a flame, anything. That my heart would be purified. God, that my spirit would be what rules me. Not my mind, not my will, not my emotions. Definitely not those. God, I need your spirit. Holy Spirit, I apologize. If I've grieved you, in Ephesians 4.30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, that he, that he is a, a being, not just, this, not just this, this thing that we can't really touch. No, he's a being that can be grieved. And I apologize if I've ever grieved you by not honoring you, by not recognizing you. Please reveal to me if I have grieved you, Holy Spirit, at all. Build up inside of us a desire to honor you, a desire to live in daily communion with you, a desire to honor and respect you as the full part of God that you are, that we wouldn't belittle you, that we wouldn't put you in this third wheel category, God, and that you are God. The Holy Spirit is God and that we would live in a way that actually acts like we believe what you say to be true, that we would be able to walk in faith that we would fan the flame in 2 Timothy, that gift of God, that we would fan it, God, in our life, that we would fan the flame of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Amen. My desire today was to tell you about the Holy Spirit, to read to you what the word, not just on my own personal experiences, because that's fun, but to get into the word and say, what does the word say about the Holy Spirit? And from there, to build a taste and say, I wanna know more about who this is. And that it would build a hunger inside of you to say, I wanna read, I wanna get into the word. Holy Spirit, talk to me. Even as you're driving home today, Holy Spirit, talk to me, reveal to me, show me this. And as you provide the place for him to speak and as you decide you wanna live a disciplined life, he will speak, he will show up. You will walk in power. You will walk in healing. You will walk in wisdom. You will have all of these fruit in your life. How? Because you focused on a relationship of the fruit of where it can come from everything. And so um, be encouraged, get into the word, develop that relationship, and it's gonna be good. Like the church will come alive. As we all tap into who the Holy Spirit is, you will come alive our church will come alive. The capital C church will come alive and it will be something so enticing that nobody can turn down because he's that good. Amen? Amen.
This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationship. Relationship.